Hi guys, it's Kathy Heller. How are you? I hope you're having an awesome week. I feel so much love and I just want to send a huge hug and a huge thank you and lots of emoji hearts to all of you for signing up and becoming part of this incredible Dream Ambassador community. It is just so cool. Those of you who heard the podcast on Monday, you're in the loop. So basically we started this amazing thing called Dream Ambassadors where we want to bring everybody together. I got this idea from the awesome women who do the skim because they have something called Skim Ambassadors and I thought it was the cool thing. But essentially, we're building this community, which is going to be a soulful cohort that's going to come together. And you're going to be part of amplifying the message of this podcast and helping every human that we can get to know that there is room for them and that they can do this thing that they love and that they don't have to be perfect. And we're going to be continuing to just put this out there and you are going to help me change so many lives and you're already changing my life, just so you know. But to say thank you, what we decided to create is all of these incredible perks for you guys helping get on board with this mission. So there's going to be swag like coffee mugs and t-shirts and notebooks and sketchbooks. There's going to be access to our private Dream Ambassador Facebook group, which you'll get into right away when you sign up to be a Dream Ambassador. And then there's going to be an opportunity to get a signed copy of my book and live Zoom call sessions with with me and an invitation to special events and book launches and VIP discounts and programs and products and so many cool things that we have going on. It is so fun. So basically, we'll give you like initiatives and things that we're working on. And the more that you guys get involved and participate, just the more amazing perks you get to unlock. It is completely free, 100% free. There's no cost. It is just a lot of good people coming together. And when good people come together, amazing things happen. So if you want to get on board and you want to be a part of this, or even just to see more details about it, you can go to don'tkeepyourdayjob.com and then you'll see a tab for Dream Ambassadors. There's also a pop-up when you get to the Don't Keep Your Day Job website where you can find out more about it. Uh, you can also find the link in my Instagram bio. You can also find the link um, on our Facebook page. But I already want to give some shout outs to a few of the Dream Ambassadors. So Lee, she's at Lee Merricks on Instagram. She's already completed the the very first initiative. So that's amazing. She did it within the first 24 hours. And Lee, I went to your Instagram and I followed you back and I love what you're posting. The other day she posted something that said, allow yourself to be seen in all your glory, flaws and all. Don't let fear win. Boy, is that true? So beautiful. And thank you so much for being a part of this community and for already shining such a big light in the world. Um, really beautiful. You guys can follow her at Lee Merricks, L-Y-M-A-R-I-X on Instagram. And I also wanted to give a shout out to Chelsea, who's at Pescado. She got on board to be a dream ambassador and she wanted to share the initiative of telling people about my book. And so she decided to do something really cool, which was to create a book club. And so she told a bunch of her friends, hey, why don't we read this book together? and everybody buys Kathy's book, you pre-order it and then we'll all read it together. And that's a really good idea because this is the kind of book you can definitely do in a book club. It has questions at the end of every chapter. So it's really conducive to getting together in a group and like you guys can write your answers and then you can sit together and you can brainstorm and you can discuss things. And it would really probably be so transformative. When I read The Artist's Way years ago, I did it in a group and that's what we did. We would answer the questions at, at the end of every chapter and we would meet up and it would be so cool to sort of work through the book with other people. So that's such a great idea. And I just wanted to give Chelsea some love for going ahead and doing that. You guys are just the best. There's so many more shout outs to come. So many great people I'm already meeting through this process. So if you want to be a dream ambassador, go ahead and go to don'tkeepyourdayjob.com and sign up. It costs nothing. And there's just so many fun perks coming. I can't wait. So you guys can go ahead and check that out. Also, I just want to say happy July 4th and wherever you are, 
even if you're in a country and it's not July 4th, um, may we all be more free today from whatever holds us back. And if it's your mind and if it's thoughts that come around that aren't serving you, may we just have more awareness of that. And so allow ourselves to be more free and direct our attention to whatever it is that makes us feel freer and allow ourselves to work on the things, even if it's scary, that are ultimately going to give us freedom from whatever's keeping us stuck. And the other day I told you that I wasn't feeling so great over the weekend. And yesterday I spent some time hiking and what I noticed, and I don't know if this was ever something that you've tried, but what I noticed is if I actually let myself feel whatever I'm feeling, even if it's a bad feeling, like I just feel this like sadness wash over me by just letting myself notice it. I actually feel a little better. And it's kind of like I've mentioned this before, but my teacher, Susan Kaiser Greenland, she said, feelings are like visitors. And the way it works is that they're going to keep knocking louder and louder until you just let them in. And because they're visitors, some are going to stay for 20 minutes, some are going to stay for three months, but eventually they're going to go. But sometimes we just have to make the space to just let ourselves feel this thing. And I was talking to my therapist about it. And I don't know if you guys are going to relate to this or not. I think some of you might relate more than others, but my therapist was saying that there's different kinds of attachment that we have based on the way that we were raised and the way our parenting was for us. And some people have like a secure attachment and some people have what's called an insecure attachment. And she told me that for people who grew up the way that I grew up, where my mom was suffering from depression and was really riddled with anxiety and really lost in her own pain. And my dad was definitely absorbed with his own stuff and then actually left the home. She said, kids like me have a little bit of what's called an insecure attachment. And what happens is then you never have this feeling inside that you're fully like, okay or complete. And kids who have a secure attachment, they have what's called this secure base and it's inside of them and it integrates into their heart. And so throughout the rest of their life, they have this sense of well-being. And I think that everyone is thirsty for more fulfillment. So even kids who grow up with a secure attachment, I think people are still craving more fulfillment. I think that that's something that's universal. But I think those of us who grew up with difficult childhoods sometimes have this feeling and we don't know what it is and we're always trying to fill it or fix it. And what I realize as I'm getting older and as I'm spending more time trying to just be aware of things and not let things just like derail me, but really try to gain some self-understanding, I realize that that feeling comes up for me. And instead of trying to fill it with like more accomplishments, that's usually what I'll do. I'll be like, oh, I'll achieve something new and that will make it go away. Or I will, you know, create the next big milestone or we'll buy the next big house or whatever it is, something external will fill it. I realize that it's me. Like I have to just notice sometimes how I'm feeling and remind myself like, oh, that's what that feeling is. And sometimes it comes around and it feels bad. And sometimes when I'm not working and I'm not juggling a million things and I'm actually standing still long enough to catch up with myself, that feeling comes along. And I realized just by going hiking yesterday and noticing that sometimes I feel sad and giving myself the space and a minute just to feel it, I actually felt better today. And I spent more time doing nothing today, which was great. I took my daughter out and she got her nails done and I watched her get her like adorable little like stickers on her nails. And then we sat and had lunch outside in the sunshine. And then we kind of like walked around this little arts district and just kind of like window shopped. 
And I just felt like so alive today. And um, what's also amazing is that in the process of feeling more alive, I realize when you do good for your soul, it actually completely affects your business. And so by the end of the day, because I had taken two days to really spend some time just breathing, I had so many new amazing business ideas, including I was like messaging my team. Oh my God, I have so many new ideas of things that we can give to the dream ambassadors. And I was like coming up with all these different things. I'm so excited. Stay tuned. You're going to hear all about it. But we have so many cool things that we will be rolling out for you guys. And and also just coming up, like there's so much happening. I'm about to roll out um, a new program for those of you who want to learn how to podcast. I'll be doing a three-month program on how to create a wildly successful podcast. And it's going to be this podcast code that I'm going to teach you. I cannot wait. Um, There's going to be live events that we're planning and there's just so much cool stuff. But those of you who are dream ambassadors, you guys will always be getting perks. So whenever then we do some kind of like a a course or if there's a live event or if I'm going to do some kind of VIP, any kind of thing, you as a dream ambassador it's sort of like you get this reward card and then therefore you're going to get rewards and you're going to get perks and you're going to discounts. So if you love this podcast and you want to be in on any of the things I'm doing, then sign up to be a dream ambassador because it's free and you'll get to meet a whole bunch of awesome humans by doing it also. So um, today's episode is really cool. We have the remarkable Dara Brustein on the show. You might've heard me mention her before because she was the very generous person who featured me in the Forbes article. Um, She did an article on the top women-led podcast But writing for Forbes is just one of the things she does. In addition to all of her amazing other hyphens, she's an entrepreneur, she's an author, she created the Network Under 40 organization, which has brought thousands of people together to find friends in business. She created a whole video series with Deepak Chopra, which I think you guys would probably really like. And last year, she started the Life by Design Virtual Summit that brought together 45 of the world's leading experts and thought leaders on lifestyle design, networking, career, and entrepreneurship. And they had about 10,000 participants. She is all about intentionally designing a life that can lead you to that highest branch. And she wants to give you the same tools and strategies that have helped her to do this. Her wisdom is way beyond her years. You guys are going to love her. And I just love this episode because I keep doing this work with you and coaching you to see how much you can create. And I think Dara has an amazing story of what she was able to do without a famous last name, without having 300,000 followers. She was able to say, okay, here's something that I want to create. And she went ahead and did it and started to become really successful and make a living putting together community, creating content. So I can't wait for you guys to hear what she has to say. Without further ado, please welcome the awesome Dara Brustein. Dara, I'm so happy you're here. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. This is so awesome. You are filled with wisdom. You have spent time with some of the greatest minds of our time, like Deepak Chopra. So why don't you take us back and lead us to how this desire, this intention, how did this all even become born inside of you? So I grew up outside of Philadelphia on a historic horse farm, and our parents were super diligent about teaching us certain things specifically around financial responsibility. And I remember having a lot of opportunities to sort of grow both in that as well as in entrepreneurial pathways, but without the language around it. I didn't know what that term was. But one thing I remember really vividly is my twin brother and I having those really silly wrapping paper and candle fundraisers you'd have in elementary school. Oh my God, and- you just brought me back. <laughs> 
This is basically what I did. I remember my brother and I partnering up because he was really shy and afraid to go door to door and I didn't want him to fail in his efforts. And I loved going door to door and talking to everyone and selling them the thing and moving on and trying to win. And I remember that really vividly because it was sort of the start to my understanding of sales and even running a little business. And it was also a much, much foreshadowed moment of where he and I ended up partnering in business 10 years ago together and we've worked together for the last decade. And it's just moments like when I was young that I remember having these opportunities to grow and learn in ways that I later realized were unique and that other people didn't have that same foundation or skill set that were given to them so early. Whereas the kind of bookend of this was what I was alluding to that about two years ago, I'd hit a point after being in business for eight years, which came after years of tumultuous working in the corporate world. And I had this intuitive hit and it kept saying to me, there is a new incarnation of your career on the horizon. And I didn't know what it was. I just had to figure out what that meant. And for a while, I kept being like, oh, I'm finally able to enjoy the fruits of my labor. I've been working really hard for the past eight years. I started several businesses. Like, I really just want to enjoy this and coast for a minute. But the intuition, as you know, when you don't listen, it gets louder and louder and louder. Sure. And so I did the work. I spent about six months doing a lot of practices, which I'm happy to talk about what some of them were, to utilize both myself and my own history and reflection, as well as looking to my network to have them reflect back on me some of my blind spots or things that I might have been neglecting or taking for granted. And through that process, I was able to uncover that the number one thing that people were seeking from me when they would come to me was to understand, they would say, quote, how do you live the life that you do? And when I dug deeper and I would ask them what they meant by that, they basically would say things like, how do you live with such freedom and flexibility? How are you traveling 50 plus percent of the time for pleasure and working wherever you go? How have you built three companies in three completely non-congruous industries? How are you in rooms like Davos, TED, and the UN? How are you working with people like Deepak Chopra? And it was all because it came from a place for me of sincerity and none of it was to be boastful or braggarty or showing off. Mm -hmm. I was just living my life in the best way I knew possible and had been collecting tools and resources along the way, often because I had done things the wrong way and bumped my head against a lot of walls and kept thinking there's got to be a way to feel more fulfilled. There's got to be a way to feel like I'm actually using my gifts in the world. And so when that came to make itself clear to me, I realized I had created enough in my life that I wanted to take this next chapter and help other people and say, how do I create as much content as I am possibly able to that is of value to other people to help them intentionally define success for themselves, design the lives that they want on their terms, build businesses to fund that life and not consume it. And then finally, Mm -hmm. I think one of the most important parts is to build a community or a network to support it, to support you and to elevate all of it. Yeah. Well, that is like 18 mic drops in a row. Um, <laughs> it comes from having mastery over what it means to feel aligned with yourself. It comes from having mastery over having tried many different things and been in it, building businesses to eventually get to a place where you do have that freedom. And now you're able to look at the patterns and extrapolate what's working to teach that to other people. So I want to dive into what Life by Design is this virtual summit is basically what you wound up creating. Yeah. So it initially was birthed as a free three-day online summit that had close to 10,000 people participate. And the reason I did it that way was I wanted to accumulate all of the wisdom and inspiring and actionable resources from my peers and mentors who had helped me along the journey, Mm -hmm. which ended up being 45 of them over a three-day period of 20 total hours of content. And 
that happened last September. And then once it ended, I thought, you know, there's plenty of people who didn't get access to this. And there's also plenty of people who want to be able to go back to these materials. So now there's lifetime access available to the content online where you can purchase it one time and go back to it and utilize it whenever you want. I consider it sort of like a master's degree in lifestyle design. Neat. What is the thing you're doing right now that you're most excited about? Two things. I'd say one is the weekly video series with Deepak Chopra. That has been life-changing just from the sense of getting to have relationship that closely with this Mm -hmm. man who he was a mentor from afar from me. And when I decided to do the summit, he was one of the only people who I wanted to do it with whom I didn't have an actual relationship. Mm -hmm. And so I am such a believer in relationships and the power of them and in investing deeply into the well of your relationships when you don't need anything. And so that when you actually do need something and you haven't asked that people are happy to bend over backwards and help you because you've already demonstrated the trust and the depth that they need to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And so about this time last year, I reached out to my network and I said, I want to connect with Deepak. And I was very quickly introduced to his publicist, which developed this thing that brought us to where we are now of what I thought would be a one-time interaction where he did this. Actually, the first time I ever interviewed someone was face-to-face with him. But I kept reminding myself that if anyone's ever going to be genuine and sincere and kind and gracious to you, if you were to screw this up, it would be Deepak Chopra. So I went and did that. And through a number of other serendipitous events, we found ourselves together several more times last year and developed a friendship. And through that process, he came to me and he said, well, actually, it was in response to me sending him an email the day after Christmas, just thanking him and saying, hey, I'm here in your court if you need anything in the next year, which I think is a really critical kind of asterisk moment of this is what you do in your relationships. You don't go seeking to take from them. You go looking to add value. And so he said to me, I've been reflecting too, and I think you can help me. Most people think my work is fairly esoteric, and I think you can help me make it more relatable. So that birthed a weekly video series called Diving Deep with Deepak and Dara, where we make the deep relatable and translatable typically into one to five minutes flat. So that's been epic that just to amazing. sit with this man, you know, week in and week out. So that's one thing that I'm tremendously excited about. The other thing is after spending about 11 years working both in my business network under 40 and with other organizations, like run events to bring people together and have real meaningful connection... I decided to stop being the bottleneck and create a course that teaches others how to increase their income, impact, and influence by hosting their own networking events. Because I have seen through about 30,000 people who have come through our events, the true impact that happens when people feel connected, when they feel seen, when they feel like they are valued for who they are and not just what they do. Preach it, sister. Yes, that is so true. You have this ability to get clear on something in your intuition and then see how possible it is with almost this like certainty that like, oh, I am clear that I want to build this thing, whether it's a network for people networking under 40, or I want to create a summit. And your intuition will tell you that this is a good idea. And then you will do that next thing, which most people don't do, which you will trust it and you will see it. And then you go ahead and create it. And it actually 100% works. I, I want to just sort of like really tease this out for a second. So can we talk about that process? Because I think people forget that you don't have to be Beyonce. You don't have to have an event like Tony Robbins in order to make a difference or make a huge living. You could be gathering together local small groups of people and you have no idea the impact you can have and the amount of money you can make 
So can we talk a little bit about how you give yourself permission to do that? And then strategically, how do people do that? So from the place of giving myself permission to do it in the first place, I will say that the number one Achilles heel that I have that always holds me back is the belief that I'm not good enough and that someone else is better and they're more prone Mm -hmm. or more likely or better suited to do something. Mm -hmm. So for anyone, if that's the first thought that comes to your head, I can promise you I faced it. I am facing it. I face it all the time. And it's part of what happens when you're constantly pushing yourself out of your comfort zone because the voices are going to rear their heads over and over. The one sort of silver lining of that is the longer that you tackle it and you just face it head on, the lesser the voice becomes and the more familiar you become with it. And I have been able to figure out some tools and strategies to diminish it. Some of which are, I was going to tell you this earlier, Kathy, that I need to keep you around as my hype girl because you've been (laughs) so kind and generous to me. But that's one of my strategies is every time someone says something nice to me, especially if it's in writing, I keep what I call a hype file. And I put it in an Evernote and I go back to it when those voices come up or when I feel down or in a rut. And I'm just like, here's what other people see in me that I'm not seeing in myself. And if I have to do what I use, which is called borrowed confidence, yeah. if I need to take this borrowed confidence from what other people think about me until I can catch up and believe and see it for myself, then that's what I need to do. Yep. The other thing that I do when these Beautiful. critics come up, thank you, is I look for historical evidence. And I say, where in my past is there anything that proves or disproves what this voice is telling me? And 99% of the time, there is none to prove it. And I'm able to identify it as a lie Mm, and push through it. And then lastly, it's just action. That action is truly the kryptonite to fear. And so fear, criticism, whatever you want to call it, whatever it is, that's the thing that's preventing you from Mm -hmm. giving yourself that permission just start moving because once you do that, there is no space or room for the critics and the fear to stay there. Oh my God. They just kind of naturally go away. And it's those tiny little baby steps that add up over time to give you yep. what becomes the mile that you've traversed, but it felt like you just took one step a day and that's all that it takes. Yeah. You're amazing. And you've built so many things. And also I love how you let it be easy. And when, when you, just to rewind, when you said that you sat down with Deepak and you thought to yourself, well, if anyone's going to be genuine, I thought you were going in a different direction. I thought the reason you gave yourself permission is because you said to yourself, okay, I might not be Katie Couric. I might not be Oprah Winfrey. I thought you were going to say, but I, I trust that I'm just a really genuine soul who wants to be here. And all anyone really wants is to feel seen and to feel that you're there with them. And you gave him the compliment and you said, he's that way. And that's why you felt like you could just be there, which is beautiful. And you're right. But that is what I want to say to you. And that's what I want to say to the listeners that I use. Like anytime I've had to walk into a room or sitting down with Seth Godin, I'd remind myself that even though I might not have this many followers or this last name or this bank account, I was like, I'm a human being who really knows how to see somebody and make them feel that. And I know that that's enough. Yeah. I feel like that deserves a moment of silence because it's so, so true. And one thing you said in there, you sparked a memory for me. I also interviewed Seth Godin. And one of the things that I realized from that interview was the value of being prepared and that it isn't about you. It's about making the other person look good. And this goes for any dynamic in any relationship. So when people are always wondering, well, how do you connect with these people? Mm -hmm. Or how do you open these doors? Do your homework, elevate someone else, make them look good. That's how you and I met. I put you in Forbes. 
I know. You're so awesome. <laughs> uh, the other day I was talking to Scott Oldford and he said, as soon as you think it's about you, you're going to be self-critical and all of that stuff. When you make it about who you're serving, right? When you make it about everything but you, you don't second guess yourself. It's so true. It's reminding me of when I made this big shift and I finally publicly came out and said, listen, I know I've run all these businesses and all these weird different industries, but here's where I'm moving, which felt really scary, both because it wasn't about a brand. It wasn't about a product. It suddenly was about me at this point that I remember writing a public post about this and saying, the only way I'm able to do this is because I've come to realize that I'm simply a vessel of a message and that that message can be heard via me by some people better or for the 10th time they'll finally mm -hmm. hear it in a way that they haven't before and that that's okay and that it isn't about me and that when my ego gets in the way, that's when I'm ruining it. But when I can truly just be that vessel and that conduit, once I took myself out of the equation and realized I am simply the messenger, that's mm -hmm. it. Exactly. So I want to start to get into some specifics and tools and strategies. I want to talk about three things. Let's start with life by design. Let's talk about a few things that you think are so crucial for people to design the life they really want to leave. Well, one, it's just stopping and slowing down enough to ascertain is the life that I'm living what I truly want or is it what I've been conditioned to believe that I want because of my parents, my friends, my upbringing, my community, whatever it is. And that usually takes a lot more work than it seems like it will because we have been programmed and socialized for so long to believe that we want, you know, the 2.5 kids, the white picket fence, the nine to five job, the whatever those things are for you. And I learned this the hard way. You know, I took, I took all the jobs. I was laid off three times in under three years. I got the house, but thought I was going to have to foreclose shortly after because I lost all the jobs. And, mm. and so, you know, it took me a while to really understand that I wasn't really in the driver's seat. I was just taking the path that everyone else had already traveled and felt like, well, this seemed to work for them. So, and this is what they expect of me. So it's what I'm going to do, which also then caused me to get really subscribed to the hustle grind burnout culture and the badge of honor of busyness that I don't believe in at all anymore and helped me to slow down and stop. So one of the things that I think is an exceptional tool to do this is an exercise that I created that if you have show notes, we can put it in, mm -hmm. but it's a series of seven questions to ask your network to help you find your path. And this exercise is really important that it's not reciprocal. And the reason is, is that you want people to feel completely free to be as candid with you as possible without any fear of what's going to happen if you respond in return. And so the questions are things like, when do you see me at my most and least powerful? What's something you think you know about me that I don't know about myself? If you could wish one thing for me in the next 12 months, what would it be? And a number of other questions that are designed to help you see your blind spots. And I recommend doing at least 10 of them with people from different capacities of your life. And then ideally getting them in writing, like have them do it over email. And then going through, trying to take it as least personally as possible and suss out stuff that comes to you as a surprise and suss out stuff that's a pattern because those are the things that you can do something with. For me, when I did this for the first time, it helped me realize that the thing that I was best at was the thing I most took for granted, which was being a connector. I always felt like this is obvious. Everyone can put A and B together. And why is that special? And through that process, I was able to realize that that was a skill and a gift. And even though it wasn't celebrated through traditional schooling or otherwise, that it was real and it was something I should build on. So I think that's number one. Number That's two, beautiful. there's an exercise that I believe is really important and powerful. So 
the exercise goes that you'll take some time to take out a piece of paper and a pen, better to write this than to type it, and visualize someone whom you love. Think of one person. It doesn't have to be a romantic relationship, friend, family, otherwise. Once you have that person, write their name at the top of your paper. And once you've done that, you're going to take 10, 15, 20 minutes to brainstorm with abandon everything that you dream and wish for this person mm. in every arena of their life. And then, you know, we're going to lapse time. This is going to be like one of those kitchen segments on a morning talk show where the cake comes out fully baked <laughs> and we're going to get to the other side of this. And so this is where, you know, I want you to hit pause before you get to this or fast forward over the next 30 seconds and come back to it later. But once you've done that and once you feel like you are totally poured out, there's nothing left that you could wish or hope or dream for this person, I want you to go to the top of the paper and lovingly cross out their name and write your own. Oh. And the reason for this is that dreaming is something we really often lose sight of when we get older. And suddenly we get stuck behind the fears, through the responsibilities, through the, I only know how to dream 2X, 3X, 5X of what I already see or what I'm already doing. So true. This really gives you an opportunity to look at the people that you love and say, what do I dream for them? That really actually is a mirror of what you want for yourself. And while the circumstances may be different, this is a really powerful starting point to determine what you want. Then once you've done this, I think a really powerful next step is to then vision. And I like to do a guided visualization or just visualize, put yourself in a meditative state and think, where will I be in 10 years? What, who will be around me? What will the air feel like? What am I smelling? What am I wearing? What are we doing? What are we talking about? And start visualizing all of that so much so that it feels real now. And don't visualize it in subsets. It's not works over here and friendships over here and love is over here. Your life is one big mess of all of it. So see it all. Yeah. And then start writing and take both of those exercises and start figuring out if I could dream my dream life 10 years from now, what would it look like? Mm -hmm. And once you've gone through that, I highly recommend this next step, which I think no one does. Put dollar volumes next to what it costs to live this life, even if it's intangible. So for me, things when I was 23 and did this for the first time, looking out at 33, which is now in my rearview mirror, I said things like, I want to be at all the milestones of the friends in my life. I want to travel for pleasure once a month domestically and once a year internationally. I want to have a cat. I want to have a hammock. I want to read <laughs> X number of books a month. And with each of those, I was able to assess, okay, a hammock cost this much one time, a cat cost this much one time, and then on a monthly basis, being able to travel like this is going to cost this much a month and so on. Until I was able to pull out a number that was about $120,000 a year was the total for the life that was my dream life. Which number one was so refreshing because it was no longer this massive number in my head of I need $10 million or $100 million or whatever you think the magic number is to be happy or to live the life of your dreams. And then two, I was able to say, even though I was 23 and making $37,000 at the time, okay, let me reverse engineer my business to make sure that I am bringing on what I need to make $10,000 a month eventually so that I can live this life and be financially free. Mm. And I was able to be strategic about it and recognize that once I hit it, which I was able to do much before that date because I was strategic about it, that then I could choose. Because at that point, it wasn't about just more is always better keeping up with the Joneses and Kardashians. It was about, do I want more because things have changed or what am I going to do with it and what's the why behind it? Yep. So I just dumped a lot on you, but I think these no, are three really, really powerful starting points. Big stuff. I love, love, love. First of all, I love the idea of like giving yourself permission to dream 
And the way you do that is by putting someone else's name first, because you're right. We forget how to dream. And I think the reason why is because we get so caught in a how, but if we're dreaming it for somebody else, we allow them, they're going to figure it out, right? Or they'll find their way there somehow. And what I also love about that is, first of all, you're a really mature 23 year old, but, um, (laughs) but what I love about that is, you know, I'm sure now your life is different on many levels, but back then, it's usually the kind of thing where we give ourselves this kind of excuse like, well, I could never make $10 million. So if it's that or doing what I'm, I'm doing, I'll just do what I'm doing, even though I'm, I'm miserable, right? And the thing is that there are so many degrees in between, you know, being the Martha Stewart of the magazine and cooking world versus being where you are and having this dream to do a little more baking. Like there's so many degrees and making $120,000 a year there's two ways that I'm looking at this. One, it's actually a lot more than you think. And so it's awesome. And go for it because it's it's doable. It's attainable to make $120,000. And two, you don't need as much as you think you need. Like Exactly. You, you, you don't realize that once you start making seven figures, uh, very quickly, you're just making more seven figures, but it's on paper because your team is bigger. Part of what I do is, you know, I'd love to help people go back to what you said before about, you know, building community, showing people how to network local, keep it local, keep it indie. I believe wholeheartedly that I could help any business entrepreneur. I can get you to $350,000 a year. And you know what? That's a great place to be. So I want to talk about how to build businesses. So you've done this really successfully. You built the Um, network under 40. And then you helped other people. You started a course to help people build community. Let's get into that. What are the pieces that we need to understand? Why is it possible to do it? How can you do it? Give us some tools. Okay. Let's uh, roll up our sleeves because this is a 17 module course that I'm going to try and give you some (laughs) highlights in. Well, so for one, I think anyone can do it because we already have a network and a sphere of influence wherever you are. We've all grown up with family, with friends, with colleagues, with schoolmates, classmates. They exist. So really then it comes down to determining who is it that I want to serve? Where is there a need that's not already being focused on? So for me with Network Under 40, it simply came because I had a friend move back to Atlanta from law school out of state saying, hey, I want to make friends after college. Everywhere I go, I'm getting hit on, sold to, or everyone's my parents' age. So where should I go? And I couldn't think of a single place to send her, even though I was deeply intertwined into the Atlanta networking community, Mm -hmm. because it didn't exist. And I thought, well, ding, ding, I'm a connector. So why don't I just bring a bunch of these people together? And in my mind, it wasn't even about the money. I wasn't trying to make it a business. I was simply answering the need of my friend. And I think this is such a big cue. You have to stay alert and listen for the opportunity. Love it. And so when she said that, I said, well, let me just invite everyone I know. And we had an event two months later, March 11th, 2011, and 94 people showed up. 90 of them were people I knew, four of them were not. So I said to them, this isn't a business card swap. This isn't a meat market. This is for peers who want to get to know people first for who they are, second for what they do. And so everyone came there in the spirit of just fun, of collaboration, of getting to know each other, of getting deeper, faster. And people were pumped. The energy was electric and they said, can you do it again? So I did and I did and I did until all of a sudden I was doing it month after month and making a side income at one point six figure side income, just running this thing as a side hustle, helping thousands of people go through it. 
to the point where one month, unbeknownst to me, Inc. Magazine shows up and publishes an article called Why Networking Events Suck. But then they said, networking events suck for all these following reasons, but here's one that's doing it well and pointed to our dinky event in Atlanta. Mm. And suddenly I had all of this interest from people all over the world saying, how do we do this where we are? Which made me sort of realize there's something actually here and let me help other people solidify this to do it for themselves. And what I realized through that is that one of the biggest things you have to do is be consistent. That people will throw an event and they'll say, okay, let me do this. I'm going to put all my eggs in the basket of it. And then they lose all their momentum because they don't do another. But then this is another thing that I think is really important has been a key to our success is we have a question of the night so that when people come in, we can give them a crutch to not ask people the dreaded question, what do you do Mm -hmm. as their first question. I love that. And on their name tag, they write the answer. And it's always something that's fun and can create some amount of kinship and report quickly. There are questions like when the Olympics happen, if you could win a gold medal in any sport, real or fake, what would it be? Or what's something you're reading currently? Mm -hmm. Or where's your dream destination to travel to? Something that people can answer but can build a conversation very quickly and get people really connected. And then something else that was a game changer for us is we created what we call ambassadors. They're volunteers who we consider kind of the MVPs of our event who come, who live, breathe, and embody our brand values. So if you're throwing a big scale event, give people support. Let them have people that they can find and identify to attach themselves to, to ask questions, to be introduced to people, to have an escape hatch, whatever they need give them that. Because even I, when I walk into a room with a lot of people or even a few people, it can be really intimidating. Yeah. So to have those people there at the ready and so demarcated as someone there to help them, those are some really great things. And wow, then I, love that. I will say I learned this the hard way is, and did it wrong is be even more niche than I am. You know, under 40 is a really broad category and we've been fortunate to grow and be the largest in each of the cities that we're in for young professionals. However, I think it's even better to say, We're specific for under 40s in real estate, or at one time Mm -hmm. we did under 40 lawyers, or we just work with web developers or people in the wellness and fitness industry, because then people really understand this is super specific and it helps you break through the noise. Yeah, absolutely. It does. Wow. Those are such great pieces that I can see add to the success of making it such you know, a user-friendly experience and people leave feeling really supported. Yeah. One other thing is charge. People often think, I don't want to charge. I want to make this free for people. People assign more value to things that they invest financially in. You don't have to charge a lot. But here's what I've come to learn statistically through doing this for many, many years is there's about a 50% drop on a $5 or less investment of the people who register. When you have a $10 or more investment, when someone pays that for a ticket, there's about a 70% return that they're going to show up. Mm. And once you go over the $20 mark, you get about an 85 plus percent return. Beautiful. So keep that in mind. Let's, that's great. Really, really cool. And I've, I've lived that. So let's talk about how you even build an audience to know about it and to get there to the event. How are you generating an awareness of the event so that you can fill it? Because you've been doing it so successfully for so long. I never spent a dollar on any marketing or advertising until about five years in. And the reason was, is one, if you're building a network, then you should be able to rely on your network. So I started off by Mm, doing what I would call a host committee. 
And I would tap people who had different spheres of influence that I was connected to and say, hey, I'm going to give you a free ticket and two free tickets to give out to other people. And then I'm going to run a contest between you and the eight other people on the host committee for this month to see who brings the most. And then one of you is going to get a prize. And that prize was typically donated from the venue. It'd be like a $50 gift card. Mm -hmm. And some people are motivated by that. Others aren't. But either way, it would get incrementally or in some cases, big scale people to hear about your event that wouldn't have Mm -hmm. outside of your degrees of connection. Mm -hmm. So that was one way. Another is partnerships. I partnered with local young alumni organizations from universities in Atlanta when we started, email or online newsletters who send events out. You know, I found groups and places where people would have a vested interest in their audience coming, like some of the Fortune 500 companies in Atlanta who might have a young professionals network and know where to send them or things like that, where you can say, hey, I have this opportunity. This would be a great place for them to connect and meet more people and even be better in their job Mm -hmm. as a result of this. And here it is. And they're happy to send it because they don't want to plan the event themselves. Yeah. I love that. That makes a lot of sense. There's so much here. Tell me about when you started writing for Forbes and how did you get into that? How has that helped shape your career, grow your career? And how can other people start to do something similar? I started writing for magazines about five or six years ago because I had realized a couple years before that, that the only writing I was doing was emails and I had always loved writing and I wasn't exercising that muscle. So I started my own personal blog just to utilize that skill. And through that, people started seeing what I was writing and saying, hey, we like what you're writing. Will you guest post for our blog? And none of them were big names. And then I was invited to do a guest post here and there with a couple of the big names like Huffington Post and Forbes and whatnot through some organizations I was a part of. And I was at a lunch with a guy in in an organization called the Young Entrepreneurs Council that I was a part of years ago. And he said to me, hey, I read one of your articles on Forbes. I really like it. I'm a contributor to Entrepreneur Magazine. I know they're looking for more writers. Can I introduce you to the editor? And I thought, hell yeah, of course. I would love that. Please do. And that got me started with sort of these bigger name, regular contributorships. And so then I was able to go to my network again and say, listen, here's my, you know, database of all of the articles I've written. I'm looking to write for another outlet like X, Y, or Z. Who can you introduce me to? And I was quickly introduced to the editors at Thrive Global and at Forbes. And not unlike anyone else, I had to go through the same process of being vetted and selected But once I was, then I was able to continue to write regularly. So I think that the lesson and the moral here is start writing for whomever. Start writing for yourself. Start writing on Medium. Start writing on LinkedIn. Start writing on open source platforms and begin to build a database of that which you write about, as well as get clear about what's they'd call it in the industry, your beat, what's your swim lane, what's the thing that you're going to talk about that's unique. And if you're going to go and take some of those sample writings eventually and take them to a bigger publication then you need to be really clear on what that is and have your sample work, have ideas of sample titles or pieces you've not yet published Mm -hmm. and do your homework and understand what is it that's not being covered by them? How do I represent an angle or bring some value to the table that they're not getting today? Because nothing in life is a one-way street. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Really so great. Tell us um, where we can find you and where we can learn more from you and work with you more. Two places. One, I show up every day on Instagram trying to be a value and service with actionable and hopefully inspirational stuff. That's at Dara B, D-A-R-R-A-H-B. And then on Dara.co, my website, I've got so much free stuff, everything from a free masterclass and guided meditation with Deepak to a guide that's been downloaded over a million times called the 55 best questions to ask to break the ice and really get to know someone 
more is there on the course we talked about, lots of other high-profile interviews that are going to go behind the curtain on how they really got where they are today. So a lot of good stuff for you there. So as we're signing off, is there anything that you want to say to the person right now? Someone's listening, they're feeling inspired, but they they tend to feel not clear about how much is possible. They tend to feel that they are inadequate. What do you want to leave them with? The thing that's coming up is this idea that there is a difference between waiting for help and seeking a savior. And I believe that we all have to be the hero in our own story. We all have to be the one to take the lead. And often I think we assume or we misunderstand that someone else is going to come along and make everything happen for us, that we're going to get on Oprah's favorites things list, that a celebrity is going to come in and endorse us, that you know, some we're going to get on Shark Tank. Like Something's going to happen. It's going yeah. to change the direction of everything. And while those can be blips, that's not what it takes. It really is putting in the daily, persistent, consistent work. That's what it really means to be a professional. And I think the other thing to this too is there is no overnight success. Those are not the things to chase. It's really important to make sure that you are falling in love or you are in love with the day-to-day processes and procedures of what you do. Because if you're not, there's no point because there is never a when. What I mean by that is if we're chasing you know, I'm going to be happy when fill in the blank, those things never exist. And we know that to be true because when we get the house, when we get the kids, when we get the spouse, Mm -hmm. when we get the money, it never feels like we think it's going to feel for more than a minute. And then we're on to the next thing. And that becomes what was once the ceiling is now the floor of expectation. So we've got to fall in love with the day-to-day. Beautiful. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for being such a renegade and leading by example. Thank you. How cool is Dara? Remember, you guys can get in touch with her on Instagram at Dara B and check out her website, Dara.co. She has tons of resources and programs I think that you'll find really valuable. Okay, time to celebrate your wins. So Lisa said in our Facebook group, After listening to your podcast for the last week, I finally was brave enough to go live on my Facebook business page. I've been trying to build a personal styling business for the last few years. I fell off in the last six months because I thought, since I'm no pro and I don't live in the right market, I should just give up. After feeling like I have no purpose, I decided it was time to dig deep and think, what really brings me enthusiasm? I kept going back to helping people and thinking, what does that really look like and how can I grow my business where I live? I'm currently a full-time staff accountant, but I realized I needed more. I will keep chipping away. And if this takes years, it's okay. It feels good having the motivation to work towards something I love. I really don't think I would be doing what I'm doing today if my 21-year-old daughter didn't share this podcast with me. Today, I helped a young mom repurpose and organize her space and I left her house feeling good knowing that she felt good. So thanks so much. Lisa, this is so inspiring and thank you so much for sharing. It takes tremendous courage and persistence to break through those excuses. And I'm so glad you did because look at the difference you already made. I have no doubt this is just the beginning and there is so much more for you to unleash. I can't wait to hear how it's going. So keep us posted. Okay. The next win is from Natalie. She said, I officially gave my four weeks notice at my day job. It was overwhelming the amount of people who were sad and told me that I was the most talented and pleasant designer that my department had. It's reassuring that my potential is seen through the eyes of others as I branch out to start my own illustration and surface design business. That is super cool, Natalie. Congratulations for reaching that point where you actually leave your job. That's really exciting. And how awesome is it to know that your gifts and the work you want to share with the world is already so validated, but now you get to start focusing on serving the people that you want to serve in the way that you want to and living it on your terms. And I can't wait to hear how this journey unfolds. 
You guys, just a reminder, you can join the Dream Ambassadors completely free and it will give you so many cool insider things. There's going to be coaching calls. There's going to be swag. There's going to be gift bags. There's going to be tickets to events and VIP offers. So if you want to find out more details, you can go to don'tkeepyourdayjob.com. There's a pop-up when you get there about how to be a Dream Ambassador. You can also find the link on my Instagram. It is free, 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 zero cost. You will get to join an amazing group of souls who are driven to spread positivity and live life on your terms. If you have a win you want to share, we want to hear about it. You can DM me on Instagram at kathy.heller or you can post it in the Don't Keep Your Day Job Facebook group. If you have not already, please make sure that you subscribe to this podcast because it is free to do so and it helps us tremendously. And also it'll make sure that you don't miss out on any awesome episodes. There's so much cool stuff coming up, including Jennifer Weiner. How many of you have read her books? So excited that she's coming on the show. Definitely subscribe so you don't miss out on what's happening next. Also, if this episode or any episode has resonated with you, take a second right now and share it with a friend. You can text them the link, you can email them the link, you can post it on your Instagram, share the show because it just might be what your friend needed to help them feel a little bit better and to help them move towards sharing their gifts with the world a little more. Thank you for listening. I'll leave you with a song of mine. Have a really happy 4th of July. I love you guys so much and I will talk to you on Monday. If dreams are made of paper, let's make paper mache. We'll build a world together with our hands And if hope is made of helium We'll be like balloons And float away, wouldn't that be grand? Nothing lasts forever So we're all a little scared But we're not giving up that easy No, we wouldn't dare Hey, hey, Mr. Sun Don't you set tonight Tonight, cause we still got a million plans for the day.